Welcome to the Niched Agency Podcast, where we delve into the journey of owners who have gone from saying yes to everyone in every project to thriving industry leaders and authorities. Here's your host, Ryan McGovern. Hello and welcome. For those of you that don't know me yet, I'm Ryan. I'm currently the Director of Sales and Marketing at SEO Brothers, an SEO white label company. Prior to that, I owned a few of my own agencies, two of which were massive failures, one of which I'm quite proud of and I was able to pay the bills with. But in all three of them, trying to make ends meet, as I am assuming a lot of you are in the same sort of situation. This podcast is for you to listen to the stories of successful agency owners and how they may have gotten there. No, there is no magic trick that you can take to get yourself from point A to point B, from non-successful to successful. However, hearing point of views from agency owners can be quite helpful. So I'm Ryan, Ryan McGovern, and I'm joined today by Stuart Gandalf, of course, initiate agency owner. Stuart, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, glad to be here, Ryan. I can relate to your audience for sure. So It feels like all of us have been there in some capacity or not, unless you're like a VC funded, there's exceptions, of course, but yeah, I feel like all of us can kind of relate to that struggling yeah. sort of feeling. Yeah. Um, just to start out, if you don't mind giving us some insight into your professional journey, whether that began when you were a child or high school, college, what got you on track in marketing and your story from inception to where you are now? Yeah. Well, before school, if we're going to go that far back. I was a guy who broke t- or did tire installations and then broiler cook and hockey stick boy for a minor league hockey team and a paper boy did all that and then <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh had dirty fingernails the whole time i did the time. nice yeah <laughs> i didn't lose any fingers they're all still here yeah i worked in a oil change shop uh, <laughs> as one yeah. of my dirty 19 year old jobs yeah i was 19 my girlfriend told me she's never seen me without dirty fingernails Mm-hmm. So, oh, and delivered auto parts to that too. So, yeah, throughout college and when a union job the newspaper. But by the time I was done with all that, I um, we were just talking offline. I just threw a chance encounter. A girlfriend introduced me to a job. We broke up, but during that job, I met some friends. We went to Florida. We all decided we're moving to California in about 30 seconds. So that's how that happened. Collectively, so, all of you just picked up. Yeah, and, we just decided yeah. we're moving. We're just moving. So. And I was, what, 22, and I was between girlfriends and just decided I'm going to go. And by the way, my wife listens to podcasts a lot. She says it's always a girl. Like, guys' lives are just shaped by so uh, <laughs> what's going on in their life romantically. Yeah. So I moved out to California and started working in a marketing job. It was the first job I took. I pl- actually I thought I was going to be an engineer. I was really good at science and math, and mm-hmm. that probably wasn't the right choice for me. Sometimes I still wonder about the attorney thing because I would have been good at that. But took my first job at an entry level job doing kind of sales and marketing for a small niche company education business. I did that for about three years, but I always thought agencies were cool. I don't know why. It's like it just seemed cool, maybe because I watched Bewitched, which is an old TV show. There was, and also Admin, I go back to yeah, a little yeah, bit as well. Yeah, like yeah, I wanted to be sure. Don freaking Draper when I was. <laughs> I know for sure. But, yeah, I for don't sure. Know. Those yeah. are the gold days, I guess. You know, I guess with the tarnish on the gold, but. Oh, yeah. yeah. But when you're in that first marketing position, like, what were you doing there? My first job was I was just doing sales and then I got bored with that. I was good at it, actually, just because I tried hard. It wasn't like I was a good salesperson, but 
Good I worked my way to doing in-house marketing the first year or two. And so I was doing a lot of direct response. And that's how I learned direct response. And so then I got my first job in an agency by sending him a direct response letter. So it's like the head, mm. headline, catch a rising star. It had direct response copy throughout. It had a business reply card. <laughs> and it was a direct response company, so I knew he would get it. And so the guy called me up and said, nah, we decided not to work together. I was going through my MBA. Then he called me back again a little later. And so all of a sudden at like 28, I was working with this little tiny agency in San Diego, flying across the country to New York to work with a bunch of big banks. So he had a snitch with banks. So he was oh working with like the city and all these huge banks produced in San yeah. Diego. Then I went from there to another agency. I was really young and not super mature. So I was always impatient and went to another agency for a while and another small boutique agency. And then it's always a girl broke up with my girlfriend. My, girl. my car was stolen. And what else happened? I lost that job. So all three things happened. Like within a period of a few weeks, I went to Europe with my best friend who was director of tour publicity of Michael Jackson. So I spent a month, oh my on, gosh. The, I spent a month on the road with Michael Jackson. And <laughs> what? <laughs> that's a different podcast. You just That's got to be a different podcast. Yeah. yeah so, you're very, just a seat of your pants. Yeah. I was like, yeah, just wanted to take risk. And so I filled out my uh, job. You had to apply for jobs when you're in unemployment. So I set those all up before I left. So I applied for jobs while I was on the road with Michael Jackson. Came back, decided to move to LA and I got a job with Jay Walter Thompson. So Jay Walter is like the first name brand and really the only name brand agency I ever worked with. And that our account back then was with Valley's Total Fitness. Our spokesperson was Cher and Heather Locklear and Shane Easton were enormous at that time. Yeah. And the $80 million account, it was probably the biggest account in LA. And it was also probably the most stressful. And so I was really disillusioned because it was really political and I'm really sort of straightforward and no BS. And mm-hmm. I wasn't used to playing the games that come with big advertising. So at one point I hated my job so much that my media buyer and I used to dream of getting into a car accident on the way to work so we wouldn't have to go back here. <laughs> no, <laughs> you can't, do that. You can't you get in the accident. You got to get yeah. in the accident once you're in the company car. And then, yeah. You know, so, if you're yeah. ever feeling like that, you're probably in the wrong job. Just a little bit of advice there. Yeah. So, that eventually played itself out. And I left the business, got into commercial real estate because I was tired. My printer breakers were making way more money than me. I was working like a dog. Mm-hmm. I was doing account management, by the way, too, during this period. But the interesting thing is, I never realized I was a writer. And when I was at Thompson, I would often write the copy faster and better than the people that were on the team. And actual the copywriters? Director. Yeah, the creative director would allow me to use it because it was direct response. I just, I don't know, I just know how to do it. It's like, mm-hmm. I have no talents, but that's what I'm writing is a talent for me. It's just easy. So, sorry to butt in, but during this entire point in your life, did you say you went to school and you got an MBA? Yeah, well, I went through Ohio State for undergrad. I know you're from Michigan, but yeah, I got my undergrad at Ohio State. Yeah. And then when I lived in San Diego, I had this first couple jobs, real jobs after college. I decided I want to get an MBA. And the MBA is funny because I don't know, I just felt like I needed to have something to distinguish me. And I didn't learn much in the particular program I went to. The one thing I mentioned or alluded to a minute ago. I love that you say that. There is another option, another school, which is University of San Diego, which has a law MBA degree. And that I wish I'd done. I just didn't think big enough at the time. It's like it was more expensive. It was another year. Mm-hmm. I got a law degree too. That would have been more useful to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, a year is a lifetime when you're. Yeah, I know yeah. exactly. So yeah. 
In retrospect, that would have been a really good idea. I have very few regrets. That's one that if I could do over, I would absolutely do over. No, no regrets. No regrets. <laughs> you're, where, anyway, you're where you're supposed to be. I keep my long and boring story going. And the, this um, is far I, I, from long and boring. You, I, I, you're probably the most interesting person I've interviewed. <laughs> if you if you toured for a month with Michael Jackson and you've met Cher and you've met like... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to like derail the conversation, yeah, entirely, yeah. but I'm, I'm afraid. Lot, I've met lots of celebrities too, just in the course of living in LA and working with friends and entertainment. But yeah, my dad, I mentioned offline as well. My dad lived in LA right after high school and yeah, just by happenstance would run into celebrities all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's so he, he like, he was a bus boy at like a nice restaurant. So he, yeah. celebrities would eat there all the time and, and he would, he would never approach them because that was very frowned upon. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, anyway, that's, to, yeah. sorry to get back uh, on the on conversation. I don't know uh, the whole Michael Jackson thing's a fun fact I share once in a while, and I have a picture. I was trying to find it for you, but I'll tell you how this is off track, but it's fun. This is how Michael, big Michael Jackson was at the time. This was during the Bad album, so it was like the height of his fame. Like yeah. before all the horrible stuff came out. After Thriller, it got even bigger with Bad. And it was so big that my friend who is director of publicity, his job wasn't to get more publicity, it was to get less publicity for Michael. And that's back when they were talking about Elephant Man bones and all this kind of crazy stuff. And yeah, we really could talk to this whole podcast about this experience. Well, yeah, why would you why would anybody want to reverse publicize? Yeah, well, just because he was so big. I mean, he just was so big. And like, like that it was probably when you see concerts today. Like the kind of concerts you see today, like with Pink or with Funny Pilots or whatever. Like he was the first one that made these into a masterful show. Like he had, you know, yeah. this is back in 88 and they had like five semis and they had, it's like, if you go back, I'll t- challenge your listeners to look up on YouTube, Bad Tour, your 1988 on YouTube. And you can see, and it's like for its time, it was groundbreaking. But anyway, the yeah. fun fact on that is... A real production. Yeah, it was just amazing. So, so if you're interested, you can go see what I saw. Oh my God, I really wish we had time to talk about this. There's lots I, of stories. Me too. Okay. I, we have to get a, a separate <laughs> one conversation. One is, it was so big that you're not supposed to... They take pictures with... The, I finally met him. I hung out with the band. Cheryl Crow was the backup singer. And but she was just a backup singer. And I barely got to know her too. I was hanging out with my friends. But he was so big that they wouldn't give you the photo when you took a picture with him. I finally met him in a lineup on his birthday and you know, just before I left. Mm-hmm. And, but my friend, because he was director of publicity, gave me the slide with the actual original photo. Yeah. So popular that I went to the developing place the next day and I saw like this enormous picture, like three by two poster of me and Michael. They stole <laughs> my photo with Michael. It's like, it's that big. It's just <laughs> that like, valuable. You're not allowed to do that. That's my photo. So anyway, flipping to the business stuff. So we got to, or we, so I worked in a commercial real estate for because I was sick of being poor as a church. Yeah, guy. that's where we left off. Yeah, yeah I was really, really tired of being poor because LA is expensive and it was like, it was whatever. And even though I was an account yeah, yeah. supervisor at the time, it's like, it was really easy to spend money and being in your 20s as an account supervisor. Well, of course. Yeah. yeah. And like no wife, no kids, nothing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. 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 Anyway, I did that about three or four years. I was about to finally score. There's a theme here, which will come back to you mentioned struggle. <laughs> I was finally about to make a lot of money. I was just like really, really struggling and taking big credit cards out. And I was about to sell a bunch of industrial property in 
like Carson Compton area. And then the nineties riots happened and all those deals went. <laughs> so I'm like, Out the window. <laughs> yeah, because all the buyers just backed out. So then I took a job for this weird little company that I thought I'll be here six months and end up staying there 10 years. And so they were, had a niche selling to doctors. And so my job was to speak publicly for three days with a group of doctors uh, and teach them about marketing. And at the end of the seminar, for those who are interested, sell them something. And I still didn't really look at myself as a salesperson, having done it multiple times in my career. But I was good at this naturally. I mean, it's like, again, I told you most things that's, you know, like I'm horrible at basketball, but I'm a pretty good writer. And it turned out I can speak, not a technical speaker, but I could engage people. So if you didn't consider yourself a salesperson, what did you consider yourself? Educator? When I was doing that, it's like I was just giving really good marketing strategic advice. I knew what I was doing and I told them. And so they believed me as they should because I was a good consultant. And so I would lead these workshops. And that was like priceless experience, working with a group of about 15 people interactively for three days. I had never spoken publicly in my life. I took the job out of desperation. Five weeks into it, I had my first seminar in St. Louis or someplace. No, it was Denver. And And was it like a shiny high salary kind of position and just no, like it was, uh, well no it was like living wage and you sell stuff to make a good living and oh so, sure sure your, and, your uh, commission was your yeah, yeah yeah so but i got stuck on the elevator and waited my first speech <laughs> oh no Struggled. I thought there's a common theme here but you know just sort of laughed that off and got in 15 minutes late and the fortunately some of the people in my group were in the elevator with me stuck but I turned out I could do it. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm flying around the country and I'm figuring out how to play the miles game and upgrading the first class. And there was like about 10 of us <laughs> to do this. And then about five years in, and I started making good money. Like, and I got myself out of debt. And, you know, I liked being the center of attention and I liked being really, really good at what I did. And then I became VP of marketing because it turned out I could write and the owner sold the company. And so I could write which was a big part of the VP of marketing because we were selling, we had a model that was heavy, heavy direct response. So we had to sell seminars and newsletters and then upsell from there. Mm -hmm. So again, this could be another story. So then after that, I jumped out. And again, there's a lot in between here, but just for the sake of time, I did a bunch of different entrepreneurial things. I did an internet company. I did online poker of all things for a few days. I did as a marketing person, not as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I end state tax mitigation for very wealthy families. And I just was having fun just being, and I was actually got to the equivalent of a fractional CMO for about three years there. And like, I, you know, I was VP of marketing at three different companies all at the same time, but they would all put up with it because I could, by then I could really deliver. So yeah, right. If they're yeah. results driven sort of APIs and standards, it's like, why not? We don't care what you do. Yeah. But eventually that's really unstable. I don't know how many fractional CMOs do it for very long because it's kind of inherently unstable. It's just like there's always one thing going on or another. And then I started this company here. That's where I'm sitting with a partner. We decided, can we create an uh, online marketing company that does nothing but just do SEO, basically? Can I create a company out of SEO? And this mm-hmm. is 2006. Nobody was doing that. So we That's very uh, forward thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So we immediately jumped to the top for like healthcare marketing terms. Like we were number one worldwide for healthcare marketing. I know because I was in Columbia, many in Columbia once. I looked up healthcare marketing. There we are. Woo! 
So, you know, it's just, like... So just casually in Medellin, yeah. no big deal. Yeah, yeah. During oh, well, it's from like, Colombia. So we started building it that way. We also took advantage of that educational background. So because I've done teaching for so long, we went out to medical economics and created and sold like an audio CD series and mm-hmm. they distributed. We got a column in dental economics. And so... If your listeners look at our website, you'll see like speaking and writing. And that's just the ones I remember to put up there. We've done lots of that over the years. Mm-hmm. So it's been very much about positioning ourselves as experts, which we really are. So I've stumbled into this niche. And I guess and so today, you know, I'm the solo owner. We've got about 40 people. We work with a large variety of clients, some of whom just signed that are our most exciting. But I think I've got an MBA, so I can't tell you which ones they are. But most of our <laughs> but- clients... All in medicine, though, yeah. Yeah, they're like, well, they could be healthcare providers. Like, a lot of them are multi-location addiction or multi-location medical doctors or multi-location healthcare providers. But we also have now some dental manufacturers, some medical manufacturers, some big names in in healthcare, and a Mm -hmm. few brand names along the way as well. And most of them, though, the the way the contracts are written, a lot of times they say we can't stay who they are, which is frustrating. But they've got some really great clients. Yeah, yeah. But, of course. You know, so it's, so it, I, I really want to make sure that my listeners know the name of your business and what exactly it is that you do. So it's... All right. All right. So yeah, we have to come back to struggle because I think that's a fun topic to talk yeah, about. Yeah. Please, please um, do. So the name of the company is Healthcare Success. It's simply healthcaresuccess.com. Okay. What makes us unique is we are truly an integrated agency, meaning that I started out in direct response. I loved, I ate up digital when it came out because to give your audience a perspective, especially if there's, you know, younger than I am, like to do what you can do with pay-per-click in a matter of a couple of days used to take like half a million dollars in months. On and TV. months and months. Yeah. You couldn't test an idea without running ads on TV or newspaper or whatever. From the mail, and it was like months and months of time. And like, mm-hmm. so when I first learned pay per click, and I used to go, they used to have a thing at Google called Google Dance, where like I would just learn all this stuff. And so I did it all myself back, obviously, then. And I have people now that are much better at it than me that do it today. Sure. But to learn, oh, that's the thing if you're for your owners, as we're thinking about them here, learning the actual skills to do this stuff is invaluable for me because I have absolute cred with all my team because I can do each of their positions and they know that I really do know SEO. Like, mm-hmm. I was at PubCon when Matt Cuss announced the disavow tool and I got excited. I like, what a nerd I've become. So I'm kind of a nerd about disavow tool as well. But, <laughs> just a side note there. But yeah, um, so like the fact that I even knew what a disavow tool but, is, let alone jumped up in the air and got excited about the announcement of it is pretty funny. Yeah, like, whoa, we got yeah. like all this spammy bullshit I can get rid of now or try yeah. to. Yeah, we um, had somebody. Yeah, so we do the digital marketing, and we do truly branding and creative too, which is unique. Usually, they're like you're either a branding company or you're a pay per click and SEO company. So mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to scale doing it the way we do it, and it took me forever <laughs> to get here because, like, the talent in each of those, you know, just to maybe help some quick things here, talent in each of those categories wants to be around other talent, and so. If you, when you're building an agency, it's just way harder and takes longer than I ever imagined because you have to get the right clients. But when you get the right clients, you have to have the right people to do the work. And so it's like a cycle. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you know, we got to the point where it's big enough to attract the right clients and it's big enough to attract talent and it's still small enough to keep them because they're excited about being part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. So I go ahead and leave you from there. That's kind of where we are today, though. We have, I love our team, I love our clients, but it's, uh, we've come to a good place. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. 
One thing I want to ask is, well, not so much an ask, but a theme that I've seen with yourself and previous guests is that actually knowing what, how to do the work, like, yeah, it's wonderful. Have your employees, have your vendors, have whatever, but knowing how to check them and knowing how to go in and make sure that they're doing their job well is something that's really, really important as an owner. You can't just say, hey, I hired a PPC vendor. Hopefully they're doing good. Or I hired an SEO vendor. Hopefully they're doing well. Like It just doesn't work like that. You have to be able to check them. I've I've heard that a few times now. Yeah, no, it's funny. I got to always stand on that. Like The challenge we had early was when we started the company, it was a little ahead of its time digitally because we were doing that for ourselves. Most of our clients weren't interested. So we're still doing a lot of traditional marketing for our clients, which... We also did a lot of consulting in there too, which was mm-hmm. very specific to their business, even if we didn't get paid for it. So we taught them how to generate patient referrals and things like their doctor referrals. Even if we weren't directly involved, that was part of the package when we sold it. But when we first started hiring, well, first of all, whenever I tried hiring a vendor for my company, that never worked as well as it did when I was doing it, which was a bummer. And back then, especially, because it was pretty nascent back then. Well, yeah. And if you ever want something done right, do it yourself. Yeah, right. yeah there's that. But the hiring employees that were at the right level was hard because there's a lot of posers in digital marketing. And if you don't know, if you don't have the knowledge to understand it, and they're like, well, say so is SEO. It's like, that's a scary place to be if you're offering that. That's why you know, I think some of the stuff that you do may be a really good fit for a lot of clients or there are a lot of agencies because we don't know SEO. It's really hard mm-hmm. to offer it. It's, yeah, exactly. It's just hard to be an expert in all things, right? It's taken me a lifetime to get to this stuff. And then, you know, like one of the things I mentioned earlier is we do branding part of what we do and that's something that i've never really focused on until the last few years but we've found through you know just years of doing this a couple of really strong experts so i know branding but like when i have a branding project i bring these people in but it really helps and so you know i want to make sure we have time to talk about the whole struggle thing because you mentioned that earlier in that really yeah please like if you were ever at a point where you're like pulling your hair out with the marketing agency that you created like what was that like it happens multiple times along the journey so just fun fact i told you about my wife just briefly so we've remark about this like there are families out there not many but there are families where just everything goes right for like they stumble into the right job they have the perfect marriage everything yep. is at least from the outside they have healthy like, kids and they yeah, get the white like, picket yeah, fence like, and yeah no, that's not it's not us <laughs> everything we've had through our life we get there she's came from colombia her family left during the pablo escobar years she came from colombia at 11 not knowing any english learned tv girl watch learned english watching tv has no accent to this day Feels like she's in this weird nether world between Hispanic culture and sort of Anglo culture because she's mm-hmm. in both. But you know, she had to struggle and she figured out how to get in with the cool kids because she wore bands. She just had that natural instinct to like, so even though she was speaking English, they seemed to like her. And her brother's the same way. And but she had to struggle. And like, you know, her parents got divorced, my parents got divorced. And we always talk about like, couldn't we ever make it easy? But we feel like for us, and that's why I, the only thing I would like to sell your agency owners is I wish I had a great story. Like it's just going to get really easy for you. But that's so for us happens. There are times, but it's mm-hmm. like someday it feels like we're crawling over glass, under barbed wire. And it's just the nature of life and the agency business is not easy. Yeah. Uh, there's a thousand people that want to do what you're doing. You have to work hard on them. And really it's just like, are you persistent enough? Like, do you have the drive to crawl under that barbed wire? 
or are you gonna yeah, roll over and give up? Like so, like that's exactly it. So years ago, I took a personal development class, and I heard this quote, and I'm assuming it's true from Winston Churchill, which was like, "Never, never, never, never give up." And I always remember that <laughs> Churchill accent. But like I've always remembered that, and there's been times where the agency business is hard, and especially coming out of a pandemic was probably some of the hardest times we had because. We had good people, we had good clients, but during pandemic, we had made a few really incorrect hires just before we went on virtual, which is really mm-hmm. difficult. Mm-hmm. So you know, going through that whole disruption with the nation, with everybody hating each other, to not just live, I'm not talking about America, I'm talking about the world and you know, yeah. all the we've had. Yeah. And being virtual. And so that was just a lot of disruption, but we're still standing. So mm-hmm. we actually went down a little bit. The first during 2020, we went down a couple million dollars in revenue. We recovered that in 2021. But it's funny, we feel like we're the Phoenix. We're stronger from it. So you're coming back stronger than ever. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't fun in the middle of it just because there's so much disruption. We had clients that couldn't afford us anymore. We had employees who really weren't the right fit for us. We had just a lot of stuff going on. And, mm-hmm. you know, like any agency, you know, you have ups and downs. But during that period, we made some really good hires. So we're at sort of new heights right now, certainly capabilities. And right now we're in a position where we're attracting exactly the kind of clients we want. We're attracting mm-hmm. the right people. But yeah, COVID was like I had a yeah. that kind of about the same size as us in terms of gross sales and in terms of number of employees. He was in the clinical trials business and his business went down to zero. He like like mortgage his house. He like it all just fell apart in one year. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so, you know, it can happen. For us, because we're so marketing heavy, I guess if I was giving advice on this kind of stuff is, you know, specialization is important. Marketing systems and ongoing business development is important. And for us, thought leadership has really been important. Like I don't know how to be a specialist unless you're a thought leader in your group and and it's like, you're not going to start off as the thought leader, but you really need to be expert and speak their language and mm-hmm. you know, use the vernacular they do and understand what keeps them up at night. So anyway, yeah, I which I wish the struggle was easy, but it's like, it's like, it takes a lot of work and it's way yeah. harder and takes longer than I ever imagined. <laughs> and like, you're going to fail and like always encourage failure, like fail fast, fail often. It's good. You're going to learn a lot from that. But yeah, you got to be persistent. If you're the type of person that is just going to, like I said, roll over when the first obstacle comes your way, you're not going to make it in anything. So if if you want to make it as an agency owner, you have to be persistent. You have to have that passion and drive. Maybe the passion doesn't have to be for ads. Like you don't have to be super passionate about PPC, but be passionate about owning a business and what that means. Like you have you have employees or you have vendors and contractors and you're responsible for them. And it's, it's this whole big mix of like, people and emotions and responsibilities and like you're at the helm of that it's really cool yeah for sure and the like for me if you ask like what i'm passionate about like i'm passionate about like it's really i'll give you a couple different points of view one of my artists said stuart why do you do this business stuff you're an artist right i'm like like what do you was more creative than creating a business stuff nothing that's great yeah it is incredibly it's creative a, yeah. it's a different yeah. form of creativity because you have to continuously change and i love that like i mentioned earlier i don't know why just writing has always been actually easy for me it's one of the very few things that are like that i like that i can do that i don't have the personality to sit and write for eight hours a day i wish i could 
Like that'd oh, be awesome. I have I, just, I have good news for you. It's called <laughs> Chat GPT. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's been fun. <laughs> fun fact: I wrote a love letter to my wife on Chat GPT the other day just to see how it did. It did pretty good. I sent her. Did you I tell said, her that it was? Yeah, I told from? her. I said okay. yes. Chat GPT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, we've had. I've been writing. Now, this is going to sound so cold, but yeah, I wrote a birthday card with it too. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't uh, tell the person, but I believe the words. Birthday that cards. Yeah, it's perfect. They're gonna just start. Oh yeah, it, it's like as long as you're good at prompting, and this has been a topic of conversation for a lot of my previous guests since ChatGPT came out. But yeah, like if you're good at prompting, you can be a, a really, really effective writer. Like no matter who you are, you just really have to know your stuff when it comes to prompting. Really and also like running things through AI detection software and obviously like the checks and balances that need to happen on the back end. But I don't think we're using it very effectively yet. And but you know it's a good it's a hell of a starting point. Like if you it just takes away writer's block in an instant. So if you can kind of say tell yeah, me it, about a topic you we don't just ethically we don't feel good about just using chat GPT. So we don't but if you're looking for ideas quickly it's like it's a great place to start. Yeah. That's really what we leverage it for. It's like those really repetitive, monotonous tasks. Like if you've got, let's say you need to find the 25 most densely populated cities, neighborhoods, or towns surrounding Dallas, because you're doing keyword research for a business, a local geo-modified business in Dallas. It just spits them right out for you. You don't have to go to Google Maps and look and be like, okay, it's these 25. That takes you 15 minutes or whatever, and you could just have ChatGPT do it. And I wish I had time to talk more about that, because there's some, um, some things you can do. With I know, what I know, and we are, uh, yeah, we are approaching time. Yeah, what would you like to wrap up with? Because you know, we've got to run in a few minutes here. But. I, been so many great nuggets here i just i do i feel a little overwhelmed um <laughs> yeah you've been amazing and i just gotta say it could you ever refer to yourself as the wizard of marketing uh, i have in fact i used to have a blog gandalf's marketing magic where i had a big floppy wizard hat and when i was getting <laughs> started i had a partner and this is like again i've always done stuff like just a little early so like during my wedding this is so far outside of the norm when i got married in like the early 90s i wanted to to do like now it's common but now i wanted to do like a broadway song like i wanted to like do kind of like a flash mob my wife's like no like nobody had ever done that then i don't think i had never heard of anybody doing that i was gonna go tonight you know yeah but anyway so well. on that we had the idea of sort of creating a sub brand for myself was like i'll do that and i had this big floppy wizard hat which was kind of fun and so I that until i bought the company for my partner because i just wanted my own identity outside of the company at that point because sure. i had a partner and I, I was an entrepreneur and I felt like, yeah, I own this company. But once I bought the company, it's like, okay, that issue kind of went away and, you know, I'm promoting the company. So like, whatever. But yeah. I, get called, I do get called a wizard by my clients sometimes. Unsolicited. I don't go say, hey, you That's call, a, me, yeah, you call yeah. me Star-Lord. I don't introduce <laughs> myself. Yeah, but like, yeah, I can imagine. And this was like, oh, man, I'm so sad we have to wrap up. Was this pre-movie series or post-movie series that you had this persona? Um, let's think. I think it would have been 2000. Yeah, it was like 2006 or seven. So it was probably post. Yeah. Like it's because the books came out when I was a little kid. I remember the very first time sitting in a register at the JCPenney or someplace with my mom. And he's like, oh, Lord of the Rings. I'm like, boy, what's that? And then I heard about The Hobbit. I'm like, well, what's that? So eventually in high school, I read The Hobbit. I'm like, I kind of shrugged, like, okay. But I never read Lord of the Rings. And then the movies came out. Because like all, then, only the only the nerds got Gandalf, right? 
And so the movies came out and then it became much bigger, obviously. But to this day, like the Apple store, people run and find me. It's like the funniest thing. It's always the Apple store. And like, and one day <laughs> they're at this uh, high end um, winery. It's a cool one called Dow in um, Paso Robles, which they call it Paso there. But that's you know, a different story. One of those Spanish. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah. But the waitress Somali person said, I know this is really a bizarre request, but one of the people in the back saw your name on the register. He just really wants to say hi. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> so this guy came out from the kitchen. He's like kind of nervous. What like, was he expecting? Was he expecting like a staff? And, uh, it was really cute. But it was like, you know, like one of the things also I've learned is like, if you're, you know, back when I was growing up, it's a different culture now. Thank God it's better than it used to be. But back in a day, people were like really snotty to people, sort and of like the, brutally, yeah. And it's like I've never been like that ever. But it's just funny to be with this guy. It's like the, it was just so much fun entertaining him, and I don't know what he expected. But he was like so happy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just came back and said that was the most awesome thing that you did that in your middle of your day. I was like, Are you well, hey, right? Like if you you've kind of been given this. It's like you didn't, you have no control over it unless you changed your name. So I got to run. I'm getting called on my team for my big pitch thing. Yeah, yeah, it has been really great talking to you. Let me do my little wrap up here. Thank you so much. We'll have to chat again, whether it be offline or online. So I really appreciate you being here. Um, That's going to do it for us today. I've been your host, Ryan McGovern. Thank you so much, Stuart, for being here. Thank you so much for our listeners for tuning into the Next Agency Podcast. We upload episodes every Thursday at 12 Eastern. If you have problems with a medical client, possibly, and anything that Stuart has said has resonated with you, he's the man to talk to. He's a wizard. Give him a call. And if you have any white label SEO needs, please give me a call or my email is ryan at seobrothers.co or find me on LinkedIn. Stuart, real quick, how can people find you? Just simply at healthcaresuccess.com or contact forms exist, right? Or through LinkedIn. Wonderful. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you again and take care. Take care. See ya. All right. Bye-bye.